Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mayflower Church, where we believe faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all humanity. We're so happy that you're here with us this morning. Whether you're joining us via live stream or you're here in the sanctuary, welcome. Now, if you do happen to find yourself here in the sanctuary and you're in the middle aisle, please grab that friendship register, sign it, and pass it along. That's very important. Thank you. Also, notice our prayer cards that are in the pew rack. If you have a praise or a prayer request that you would like us to pray for this morning, or if you'd like it to go on our prayer list, please fill that out, and the ushers will collect those during our middle hymn. Additionally, if you're here this morning and you just would like some personal prayer, after the postlude, I will be available here up front to pray with you. On a more somber note, I wanted to let you know that a longtime Mayflower member, Fran Kistler, passed away last Thursday. There will be a memorial service for her at Porter Hills tomorrow at 1.30. Well, I hope you've had a chance to look in your bulletin and see in the atrium our display about Eden Ministries. Eden Ministries serves orphans and vulnerable people in Doma, Zimbabwe, and it's Mayflower's only global outreach partner. This Sunday and next, we are continuing our sponsorship drive to have all 63 of the children sent to us from Eden's to have all of them supported by Mayflower families. So we have 34 to go. Let's make sure this Sunday and next that all of those children have families supporting them. This has been going on for 17 years that Mayflower members have generously supported children served by this ministry, which is quite a legacy. So this morning, Harold Montgomery is one of those sponsors, and he is going to share a word about his experience. Good morning. In the year 2000, a young boy came to Eden Village. His name was Anyway Mupasoa. Very unusual name, one we would never forget. The Tuesday morning Bible study group, the retired men's Bible group, were afforded the opportunity to sponsor this young man, and we did so enthusiastically. During this period, we corresponded every few months with anyway, learning of his progress at Eden Village. In 2008, he uh, came to the United States with a group with Susan Fry and Kevin, and they came to Mayflower, and they entertained us with their native songs and colorful dress that they had. He then uh, returned to Zimbabwe, and in 2010, when he graduated from the Christian school there, he was afforded the opportunity to pursue his education at Johnson Bible College in Knoxville, Tennessee. And because he was going into preaching, he was awarded a $500 scholarship. During this four-year period, he would correspond with our group and let us know of how he was doing. He was particularly proud of his accomplishments and in uh, he even sent us his grades, and he maintained a 3.61 grade average at that time, which he was very disappointed in because his goal was to attain a 4.0. He, 
He was an outstanding soccer player on the team there. And in 2014, he graduated with honors. And he came to uh, Grand Rapids, and he attended uh, uh, Mayflower Church. And uh, he uh, explained his goals and his ministry and went back to Zimbabwe and started his ministry. In 2017, he applied to the government for a land grant that they could purchase some land so he could build a missionary training center. And he has grown his ministry quite well. We just learned uh, in the last month, he he corresponded with us again and told us that um, he has been in Tennessee this summer. He has married. He has two children. Uh, Rudy is his daughter. And uh, Judah was born this May. And they've been doing missionary work in Tennessee. And they have been granted the... um, uh, provision to start his uh, missionary training center in Zimbabwe, and they will be returning uh, to Zimbabwe in 2021. We were very blessed to have him as a, a sponsored child, and uh, we will never forget him, and he's a part of the Mayflower family and always will be. Thank you. What a great story. Thank you, Harold. And all of the supporters who have, for 17 years, cared for all of these children. It's $30 a month. Um, Kind of a couple weeks ago, I was talking about how we needed Mulek tutors at the elementary school for an hour a week. And when you think about an hour a week or $30 a month, it's very doable. And things like that can change the trajectory of a child's life forever. So I hope and pray you will feel called to get involved. In honor of our Eden family, our introit this morning is a short gathering song from Zimbabwe, written by Alexander Gondo. It was composed in Shona, a Bantu language spoken by almost 11 million people. This song can be found in our hymnal, number 551, and we're thrilled this morning to have our youth sing it as we connect with our Eden Ministries Fall Outreach Focus. Come, all you people, and praise the Most High. We gather intentionally to worship and give glory to God. May we remember those less fortunate and be people who care deeply 
and answer the call to action. May justice and mercy guide us as we strive to be more like Jesus. So come now, let us worship the Lord. pray together our opening prayer found on page two of your bulletin holy lord we lift up to you our hearts and our voices in praise we cannot be silenced when we reflect on your goodness mercy and love with gratitude 
We dedicate our lives to you. Amen. Thank you so much, choir. Would all the other children worshiping with us come and join us on the front steps for the children's message? Secret 
that some of you may not know about me. I am a number one college football fan of a team that is not here in Michigan. But some of you from last night's game may know of this team. Will you hold this, Becca? So I grew up in Nebraska, and Nebraska played Michigan last night in football, and they did lose. Thank you. Who said that? <laughs> but I grew up just like you in Nebraska. We went to every single Nebraska football game. We would wake up on Saturday mornings. We would have foam fingers, and we would go to the game and cheer on Nebraska football. Number one fan. And when I was growing up, it was really easy to cheer for Nebraska because they were really good. They won national championships. One national championship they actually shared with Michigan. So, loved Nebraska. Big fan. Well, lately... Nebraska has not been winning. It's been really painful being a number one fan of Nebraska. But every Saturday morning, I get up, I put on my Nebraska t-shirt, bring out the foam finger, and I still cheer them on. And I grimace and uh, when the bad plays happen, and I cheer when the good plays happen, and then when the game ends and they lose... I'm still their number one fan. And God is your number one fan. When he gets up in the morning and looks down on you, he puts on his number one Anna Jane fan t-shirt. He puts on his number one William t-shirt. He loves you all so much that he is cheering you on all day long. And there are times in your day where you score touchdowns, don't you? You are kind and you're good and you smile at that friend in the hallway. And God's up there waving his foam finger. Yay, Colette, you did such a good game today. And then there's times in our day where God's like, oh, that didn't quite go as we thought we wanted it to, did it? But at the end of the day, when you go to bed... God looks down, and he says, I am still your number one fan. And in the morning, I'm going to put my number one fan t-shirt back on that has your name on it. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for being our number one fan through the ups and the down and the good and the bad. We couldn't do it without you. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, I'd like to dismiss the choir. If you want to stand up, all the choir members, and you're going to go with Miss Abby to get your robes off. Next, I'm going to dismiss all fifth and sixth graders get to start the bridge today. You are going to be meeting with Mrs. Houlihan. She's right over there in the library. Next, I'd like to dismiss all the five-year-olds and kindergartners to go with Mrs. Coster to Bible Beginnings, and then the first, second, third, and fourth graders with Mrs. Orban to Bible Alive.
Today's scripture is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. If you'd like to follow along, you can find this on page 772 in your Pew Bible. Page 772. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who entered into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, even though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It's been wonderful to be with you these weeks and this morning in the beautiful worship, the children's choirs, the music, and uh, you're present with us. Thank you so much. I think that most of us um, have experienced something at some point in our life that we were just unable to keep quiet about, whether it's Nebraska football when they were number one or whatever it might be, the birth of a child, the growth of a grandchild, an amazing event that we witnessed. We saw, we touched, we heard. It was amazing. You're a witness to it. Tucked away near the end of the Bible, back near the book of Revelation, there's a short epistle called 1 John. And the writer opens his word 
with these words. We have heard. We have seen with our eyes. We've looked at. We've touched with our hands. This we received. We have seen it. We tell it. It's show and tell to them. We declare to you what we have seen and heard. We are witnesses. Now, witness is a key word and a key action throughout the book of Acts. And we're staying in the book of Acts through this uh, pre-Advent season. Uh, Last week, Ruth took us to chapter 16 on World Communion Sunday when the gospel expands from Asia over into Europe and begins its spread around the world. Today we're going to go back uh, to chapter 3 in the text that was just read for us. But I want you to remember that in the very first chapter, in the opening verses of the book of Acts, on the day of ascension, this Jesus who was dead and is now alive gathers his followers together, and they come with the question, Jesus, are you now? Is this the moment now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the apocalyptic moment of all time? And Jesus says, no. No, it isn't. I really don't even want you to think about that. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to receive power. And you will be my witnesses. Power from God. And witness to what they have seen in Jesus Christ. And the story of this power and this witness begin to emerge in a new way in chapter 3 in the story that was read in the healing of this man, lame from birth, at the gate beautiful in entry to the temple. And it just sets the temple area in the city of Jerusalem on fire. And Luke, the author of Acts, will take chapters 3 and 4 to... uh, Tell the story and its impact. The coming of power and the witness of the church is upsetting the apple cart. And, you know, when we ask the question, why church? Mayflower acts. Why church? Well, the church is to be a living witness to Jesus Christ. And that begins to play out in a new way in this chapter. These early Jesus followers were convinced to the core of their being that God had done something absolutely extraordinary in Jesus. Later, the Apostle Paul would describe him as the firstborn from among the dead. He was dead, but now he is alive. Think of it. They just had to tell the story. Their encounter with Jesus had touched them at the deepest point of their life and set them loose on the world in a caring, compassionate, sacrificial mission. And it also brought them into a clash with their culture. They weren't really surprised because, after all, Jesus in his life had been harassed and ridiculed and ultimately killed. The powers of their day in religion and politics, and military, and philosophy would rise up against them. But that was okay with them, because God's power was greater, more lasting, and more life-changing. 
So from the beginning, the church is inseparably linked to a compelling witness. I was remembering some time ago a conversation that I read between Snoopy and Woodstock who early one morning are sitting atop Snoopy's doghouse. Snoopy looks at Woodstock and says, What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in a branch somewhere, chirping. That's your job. When people wake up in the morning, they expect to hear birds chirping. So Woodstock flies to a nearby branch and belts out one chirp. Chirp. Flies back to the doghouse. Snoopy looks at him and says, you only chirped once. You can't brighten somebody's day with one chirp. So Woodstock flies back to the branch and this time eight chirps. Chirp, 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 chirp. Back to the doghouse. Now Snoopy's smiling and saying, yeah, now doesn't that give you a feeling of satisfaction? And remember, You're supposed to do that every morning the rest of your life. Whereupon Woodstock faints dead away and falls off the top of the doghouse. The church is to be chirping the good news every day of its life. Jesus lived. He died. He's alive. I can live. Because he lives. It's a simple story. You know, um, look at the cover of today's bulletin, if you would. Courtney does such a great job of capturing kind of where we're, we're going to go in the morning and putting it in a graphic form right before our eyes. And look at this guy. I mean, he's all, something's inside of him that just has to get out. He's alive. He's got a message to tell. He just can't be quiet. This last Wednesday night, my my good friend at the invitation of Rachel came to speak to our our children, Bill Post. Mr. Pop-Tart, we call him. He's the inventor of Pop-Tarts. He is 94 years old. To me, he's one of those people that whenever I am around Bill, I come away, I just feel I've been lifted up and brought closer to God. I hope you have some people like that in your life. Bill is that to me. He told his story to our children last Wednesday, how he was born dirt poor, or we could say ash poor. You see, his father was an ash collector over in the Hudsonville area of Grand Rapids. And they, they said, you know, the poor people called us poor. Bill and his brothers would go with their father into the basements of homes, of coal-burning homes in the Hudsonville area. And uh, they would gather the soot and the ash from the furnaces and put them in big bags and load them on the backs of Bill and his brothers. And they would carry the ash up and dump it in his father's little truck. For an average-sized house, they got 10 cents. For a big house, they got 15 cents. Well, Pop-Tarts have been good to Bill and good to most of us 
And, uh, but Bill, his story begins and ends with the story of Jesus in his life. And he called on our children to, to respond to the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's this man, 94 years old, who is still chirping the message. His life begins and ends with a witness of what Jesus Christ means to him. Another man who I I never met. I've read a good bit of what he wrote and listened to his speeches. I think one of the great men of the last 100 years is Elie Wiesel. Survivor of the Holocaust. When he was a young man, 14 years old, he and his family were loaded on boxcars, living then in what is now uh, Romania. And for days they traveled in the boxcars until they arrived in the heart of Poland at Auschwitz, the death camp. His mother and little sister were sent immediately to the ovens. His father died just as the camp was being liberated. Ellie survived. He made his way to Paris and began his life as a reporter. But he vowed he would never tell the story of the horrors, the unimaginable horrors that he witnessed, that he saw, that he lived through. And as a young man, he was asked to go interview a Nobel laureate by the name of Francois Moriere. Moriere lived in Paris. He was a devout Catholic. And as uh, Viasa was inter- interviewing him, Moriere was telling him the story of Jesus and of the sufferings of Christ and what Christ meant to him. And Viasa took it in, took it in, listened. And then uncontrollably it just burst out in in anger and frustration. You talk about Jesus and his sufferings. What about my people? Six million people. Their voices silenced, gone forever. And Liza was instantly so embarrassed, he bolted out of Moriere's apartment down the hallway to the elevator, punched the button to, to escape as quickly as he could. But before the elevator came... There was Francois Morier at his side, tears streaming down his face, saying, Oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. I didn't listen to your story. Please, please come back. Come back to my apartment. I want to hear your story. And Viesel walked back with Morier to his apartment and spent that afternoon pouring out his story of what had happened to him. And in the end... Moriere said to him, my friend, this man who had vowed that at least for ten years he would say nothing of what happened. He said, you must tell the story. It would be wrong of you not to tell. And decades later, Elie Weisler would say, I owe my career to Francois Moriere, who called out the story within me. We all have a story to tell. The church has a story of God's love in Jesus Christ that has defeated death and given us the offer of life now and forever. And finally, there's 
one other story I'd like to tell you. It's found in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the story of a man named Jairus and his little daughter. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue, which means he's a leader in the established religion of the day. And he's heard of Jesus, who does not stand in favor with the synagogue. But he's heard of what Jesus is able to do. And he goes and finds Jesus. And he tells him, I have one daughter. She's about 12 years old and she is dying. Will you please come? And there's a bone, kind of a bare bone account of it in the Gospels. But there's so much between the lines. And a Christian recording artist a number of years ago by the name of Don Francisco, I believe it was back in the 90s, in one of his best-selling recordings, captures this, the drama of this story. And he assumes the role of Jairus. And here are the lyrics of his song. We were still a long way down the road when I heard the sounds and cries of the mourners and musicians as they strove to dramatize. My grief they do no business with beneath their loud disguise. My wife just sat there silently and stared through empty eyes. Then Jesus said, then Jesus asked the mourners, Why is it that you weep? She isn't dead, as you suppose. The child is just asleep. It only took a moment for their wails to turn to jeers. Who does this man think he is? Get him out of here. Then he called his three disciples that were with him on the way. He led them and my wife and me to where our daughter lay. He took her by the hand and he told her, Child, arise. And the words were barely spoken when she opened up her eyes. She rose and walked across the room and stood there at our side. My wife knelt down and held her close, and at last she really cried. Then Jesus told us both to see our daughter had some food. And as to her, how her life was saved. Not to speak a word. And then there's a long interlude in the melody line. As though the song has ended. But quietly, words begin again. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody. The line repeats itself with conviction and crescendo. I've got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. How he gave me life when our hope was dead. When there was grief, he brought joy instead. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. That's the story 
of these early Jesus followers in Acts. For now one great fundamental fact dominated their life. It forever revolutionized them. It compelled them to go out into the Roman highways. It turned them from fear to faith. Jesus Christ is alive. To them, it was history's greatest fact. Nothing compared to it. They had to tell. They just couldn't keep In a moment, the ushers are going to come forward to receive this morning's offering. Whether you give here, you give online, or you give via text, your generosity is tremendous and we're grateful for it.
Holy One, we dedicate our lives to you. We acknowledge that all we have comes from you. So please take our gifts, tithes, and offerings and do what you will with them. We pray they bring you glory, honor, and praise. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for filling out some prayer cards. I know this is kind of a new practice for us. Um, and you're responding, so thank you. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to make changes. Um, we really want to be a congregation that prays with and for each other. We believe in the transforming power of prayer. I hear all kinds of things all week long. People send emails acknowledging that they've been prayed for and it's been transformative. So we have our prayer cards. We have a prayer list. If you would like to put something on it, you would like to receive it so you can pray throughout the week, please contact the church office. And Steve and I have committed ourselves to being available after each Sunday service to pray for people individually. We know a lot of you come into this sanctuary carrying burdens or overjoyed with praise, and you're not comfortable filling out a card, but you would like some prayer. So just know we will be available each week for that. So in the spirit of congregational prayer, let us all bow our hearts before the Heavenly One and offer our prayers. Oh, dear Lord, our hearts are full. You continue to amaze us with your provision, your guidance, and your love. Thank you. This morning we have so much to be grateful for. This week, precious Grace Taylor, who's an eighth grader in our Elevate group, and had a horrific bike accident and emergency surgery. Lord, we are so grateful she is now home from the hospital. We continue to pray for her extended recovery, for your healing hand on her, but we are so overjoyed that her prognosis is good. And we thank you for this church and the people who gather in your name in this place and beyond, our live stream congregation as well. Use us, Lord. We are so grateful to be your people. Thank you that we get to partner with Eden Ministries. Thank you that we have the opportunity that there are 34 more kids that we get to sponsor. That we get to enter into this story in a unique and profound way. And we are so grateful. And Lord, one of these prayer cards is overwhelmed with gratitude for the staff of this church. We are a little bit tired. But we know that we have so much support And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. We are grateful. Lord, we also acknowledge that our hearts are heavy, that these continue to be strange days. The pandemic is not over and we question if it ever will be. What are you calling out of us in these days? Many of us are trying to navigate a world that has been shaken. And for many of us, we've been traumatized. Help us to be wise and not overcome by fear, to be patient and not scattered, and help us to love well even when we don't feel like it. Help us to remember others, especially those facing difficult circumstances. Lord, we think of the Kistler family today. As both Fred and Fran have been called home with you, Fred last year, passing of COVID, and now Fran, after a battle with cancer and a brain tumor. This is very heavy, but we also know they are reunited with you. So we pray for that family as they navigate their grief and the service tomorrow. 
And Lord, we lift up to you, Diane and Dave Finney, as Diane lost her mom this week after a long, long, difficult illness. So we pray for their family as they grieve. We pray pray for Cindy Shad and her family as Cindy is now in hospice care. She's a beloved friend of many people of this church, and she has just faced enormously difficult circumstances. And now she is in the last season of her life. We pray for peace. We pray for comfort. We pray for her to be wrapped in your arms of love. And Lord, as we process both our gratitude and our grief, our assurances and our questions, we desperately seek your Holy Spirit. Lord, may this Holy Spirit fall afresh on us. Oh, Lord, grow in us hearts of compassion. Lead us to be more like you in all things. Help us to be people who cannot be silenced by the good you have done in our lives. And, Lord, draw us to be people of prayer, people of radical trust and assurance that you are with us in all things. And when we do not know how to pray, lead us back again and again to the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
be a people who love to tell that story. As you have been touched by the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, go into the world to witness what God has done for you. Be at peace and bring God's peace and love wherever you go. Amen. Pastor Ruth will meet those who would like to come for prayer at the close of the post.